I mean, listen. Today's been not the best Exodus 90 day for your old Luke. You're not supposed to make any unnecessary purchases. But I went to the old Apple store, and because my uh, lightning port was a little bit screwed up, needed to get a bunch of lint cleaned out, and I've read that just when it's bad, just take it into the Apple store, and they'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, hey, old Luke. And I was like, hey, old Apple store employee that I know more about Apple products than you. Uh, that's not true. That's not even like remotely true anymore. Um, he... Uh, he goes, hey, you know that the uh, trading value of your phone is $350. And I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and then they did the whole bitch about doing like the Apple thing every month, how you pay every month, and you can get an upgrade every year. And I was like, oh, so I'd be paying like a little bit more than what I'm paying for right now, but it would be with um, you guys. And I can, and I was like, and I, and like it, you know, it was basically worth more than what I owed Verizon. Uh, so way more. Uh, like I'm, 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 I've almost uh, paid off this this phone with them, and so I was like, so I can just go with you guys and not have to worry about any of this, like any of um, any of like their crap. And they were like, and they said yes, and I said sold. So if I had not owed more than uh, it was worth, if I if I had owed more than it was worth, I would not have done it. But or even it's like I mean I owed like I was getting a significantly higher amount than what I owed. So I was like, this works. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. You seem I, stressed. Um, me? No. Yeah. No. No. I seem stressed right now. No. I, I, sorry. Preoccupied. What's on your mind? There's something I've been thinking about lately that I think is really funny, and I think it describes you and uh, you and old Matt Frad. <laughs> yeah. We're okay, both handsome so- Aust- Australians. Go on. <laughs> So a couple times you guys have said this, and I think it is funny when you say it because I think it's true. Um, and I think there are elements of this in, like, everyone. You know how, like, Dave Ramsey has, like, some people are spenders, some people are savers, some people are this, some people are that, blah, blah, blah. Well, this woman who is a, oh, I don't know what she is, Gretchen Rubin. She might be a psychologist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she wrote a book about habits or something. Yeah, or something The Happier like at Home. She's been doing this. Uh, she, she's a part of this thing called the Happier Project or Happiness Project. But she does this thing, and I, I like this. She says the, uh, the abstainers and moderators. And I thought when I first heard this, I was listening to some podcast, and I first heard this reference, are you an abstainer or a moderator? And I was like, what is that? And uh, I know exactly she, where this is going. Yeah. So she went on to describe an abstainer is someone who can't do less of a thing. They have to. That's a moderator. They have to just stop that thing altogether. And Matt Frad, like when he talks about using his cell phone, right? And he talked about it on our show, how he had to have it locked up and no screens and blah, blah, blah. And gave his wife all the passwords and all that stuff. He's like, yeah, I just can't do anything halfway. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, a lot of people say that, and you've said stuff like that. Yes, especially with your phone addiction, right? Oh, with anything. I mean, I, uh, I am, I am doing Exodus ninety, and I'm currently, and I'm currently drinking. Would you like to know why I'm drinking while I'm doing Exodus ninety? Because you are a rule breaker over. Because it was someone's birthday at work, and I thought, oh, they brought in sweets. We're all here in charity. I should have a lemon bar. Fifteen hours later, here we go. What you just did, <laughs> you should. You know what you should do, Luke. You should just stop drinking right now. 
No, no, because here's what I did. I said, all right, Luke, how are we going to rationalize this one? And I want to throw the, all the all of the old norms. I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, wait, tomorrow's Fat Tuesday, and it's good to do stuff. Like, I definitely believe in the thing of um seasons, and how we need to enter into them more. And there is a, there is a, a um sacramentality to all this. You are so no. Lame. This there works. No this works. No. Yes, it is. It's very sacramental. I'm entering into uh. the fact that it is a period before the holiest, not the holiest, but one of the like. The most intense periods of the church. Uh, uh, Carnival is absolutely a real and Catholic thing. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know it is. What you're doing is indulging and looking for an excuse. That's what I'm saying. I know that train. I've ridden it many a time. How many times have I broken every single fast I've ever done with the phrase, to the Jews? The next day starts at sundown. It's sundown. Oh man, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Mm. Man, I used to, it used to be so dang difficult for me to do any of the fast for Lent, the abstinence for Lent. But yeah, it was so fun. I would do that every single time. I'm like, wow, it's sundown. All my rules are off. Or or uh, the next day doesn't really start till I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. No, you. Here's the thing: eating I, cheeseburgers at one o'clock in the morning on a Friday during yeah. Lent. Well, it doesn't really start till I go to sleep. I listen. I screwed up once, and here we are. And I I'm, listen. I need this. No, no, you don't. And that's the point <laughs> of Exodus ninety. You don't need it at all. The problem is, is I don't like having people controlling me, which is yeah. which is a major issue. Which is going to lead to th- well, I want to wait to talk about because I want to listen to more of this podcast. And so, everyone, uh, I heard a great uh, podcast on the Dawson uh, Society. About- I think you're thinking of Dawson's Creek. Go on. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, no, I'm sorry, you're right. It was not a great podcast. It was an awesome um, 90s uh, TV show that had Katie Holmes. And I was like, she is a decent human being. <laughs> and then they had the guy from The Mighty Ducks, and I was like, I enjoy The Mighty Ducks part one and two. And then he's left with his teacher. And I was like, ew, that's abuse. I'm talking about moderators and abstainers. Well, okay, so okay, so there's a podcast on the thing called The Dawson Society. This great guy gave a phenomenal presentation on sloth and actually how like people who think they are productive can fall into the uh to the sin of sloth or um sloth acedia and so yeah. or slight uh <laughs> and uh i want to give it some more time i want to let it dwell but i I would like to talk about it possibly next week, and maybe we'll put it in the show notes so people can uh, listen to it. Uh, it was phenomenal. It actually blew my mind. So the uh, the thing that was really interesting about this was this woman talking about moderators feel like, okay, so uh, you know what? They realize that they have a weight problem, so they say, you know what? I eat ice cream all the time. I'm only going to have ice cream uh, you know, once a week. And then... You have other people who are like me, where it's like I'm I'm gonna have ice cream once a week, and then once a week calls, comes around, and like I eat a container of ice cream, not a little <laughs> bit, right? Like there's a chip on we we call it the carb bar at work. People put all their you know people bring in like food for like the Bible studies, and then when no one eats it, they bring it downstairs for the staff, and it's all like donuts and cookies and chips and stuff like that, and rarely cuts of beef and. Uh, so they're all just sitting really there good. on the well, car. Uh, don't you people know that I eat steak every day now? I am Michael Gormley. 
<laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I'm carnivore. I'm Yo, fussy you don't and know annoying. what that is? Let me tell you about all of the YouTube stuff and dominate your entire <laughs> chat thread with your friends to the point that Luke's gonna stop checking it. I'm just kidding. Oh That's God. not true. That's not true. Thank I just you. wanted to add that. <laughs> Thank you. So, this week on Luke makes fun of Gomer in our <laughs> private chat. <laughs> You've done that in the last three weeks, and I've edited them all out. You son of a. No, uh, but it's so funny when you have this with people, and I have realized that I'm an ab- abstainer. Like I, it's all or nothing yeah. in terms yes. of things I have to give up. But uh, that's funny because when it comes to my phone, I'm a moderator. Like I, it's funny because I watch you and Shannon, my wife, right, and how they interact, how y'all interact with your phones. And it's like, well, if I have it, I might as well be looking at it right now all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and you've always said that, like, oh, I'm addicted to my phone, I'm addicted to my phone. But for me, even though I'm a tech nerd and love this stuff, totally easy for me to put my phone down. Now, here's the funny thing. I always have to have it with me, but I don't check it thousands of times. What is it, like, like 700 times a day or whatever it is? And when you look at my weekly report, overwhelmingly the most used app is Kindle, right? Because like, I just read on it all the time. And I just think that's funny that there, there are certain things. Like, I don't feel... Like, when I gave up soda six months ago, and you made fun of me that I would never do it, when I gave up soda... did Wait, did you actually do it? What? Yeah, I haven't touched soda in six months, eight months. Ooh, look at you, following through with your promises, like a good father. I know, because it's an abstaining. A father who keeps his promises. One might say, one might say. Uh, I asked a guy who works with Scott Hahn if we could, he could ever come on the podcast. Um, and he said, yeah. I'll work on it. <laughs> the, listen, we just need to have a mic on first, and then... Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Um, but anywho, I just think it's so funny. Like um, with Coke Zero, I would say to myself, I'll only have one during dinner and that's it. Or I'll only have one while I'm driving if I'm tired or something like that because I don't want to drink coffee or whatever it might be. And I, I would I would do what you did today. I had a perfectly good reason to add a second, a third, and a fourth. And if I'm already on my fourth, why not 500 more? Yeah. And I would just do this this little bit. And you know, And the funny thing is with moderators, they can't go cold turkey. Because they feel hemmed in with abstainers, they can't just do a little at a time. They have to go cold turkey. And I don't, it, it is so funny, but when I have done like the keto, you know, primal diets in the past, and when I did Atkins and lost 60, 65 pounds and was actually feeling good about life, oh God, uh, what did I go wrong? Um, I, it was so easy for me to say no to things that I wasn't supposed to eat. But the moment I I went from like really low carb to like start adding whole foods and some dairy with some whipped cream with uh, some fruit, you know, these like keto desserts, I immediately fell off the wagon 100% and was pure sugar consumer. But when it comes to like this extreme carnivore diet, it's so extreme, it's like abstinence from everything. So I don't even have to think about that stuff anymore. it, It is such a weird thing that i'm an abstainer and a moderator i think probably we're all like this there are certain things that i can moderate and it doesn't even phase me to say yeah i'll just use it a little and then other things that i'm like nope burn it all to the ground (laughs) scuttle the ships i found you know so for example with i mean i definitely am like screwing up today gigantically with exodus 90 but there's also a bit of me that just knows that one i got this this bourbon for my birthday and two uh, I'll, I'm I just I'm gonna reset in the morning, and I just did it. I don't know. 
perhaps I should stop um, drinking this, but it's already been poured out. So, <laughs> oh, oh, the sunk cost fallacy, ladies and gentlemen. No, <laughs> no, I'm not going to waste fallacy. this gift that's, that a person um, gave me. Our nice um, Patreon supporter and my good friend gave this to me on my birthday. So, I didn't say pour it out in the trash or drain. It's no, like, how? How am I going to pour this back into the bottle? It's a little, a tiny bottle. You can't see it, but it's a tiny bottle, Gomer. It's a tiny bottle. <laughs> so uh, the this woman says, in my experience, both moderators and abstainers try hard to convert the other team. <laughs> a, nutrici- a nutritionist once told me, "I tell this is literally what I'm doing to you right now. Uh, I tell my clients to follow the 80-20 rule. Be healthy 80% of the time. Indulge within reason 20% of the time. She wouldn't consider my point of view that a 100% rule might be easier for someone like me to follow. People can be surprisingly judgmental about what approach you take. As an abstainer, I often get disapproving comments like, it's not healthy to take such a severe approach, or it would be better to learn how to manage yourself, or you should be able to have a brownie. On the other hand, I want to tell moderators, you can't keep cheating and expect to make progress, Luke. I'm not cheating. Or why don't you just go cold turkey? Like, it's funny because that, you know, that is how we often interact. Like, things that aren't, uh, that I don't need to go cold turkey with, I get or things that I do need to go cold turkey with, I get judgmental when other people don't. I don't know. I find that funny. I, I, yeah, it's funny. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. Do you think that some of this, uh, we should maybe take some of that perspective when it comes to how we uh, discuss, not morality, but virtue in light or coming from a place of Christian morality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so for example, my good friend John uh, John Umlindecker had a Facebook post that I should not have seen a couple of uh, days ago. Why shouldn't you have seen it, Luke? I don't get it. Because I just went there without thinking about it, and I was like, crap, why am I doing this? Oh, because of Exodus 90. I was, I was like, why shouldn't you? Like, no, was my he brain shirtless? just um, like... went there, and I saw it. Yeah, oh, yeah, with John, yes. and uh, He was shirtless. You told yourself you would stop looking at John's shirtless photos, <laughs> like, and there you were again. But John click, Leindecker just click, keeps sending click. them to me, and I'm like, I've told you just because I'm busy. I'm not busy. Dean doesn't, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, 
I don't know where you're going with that either, but keep I going. like to make my life. Uh, if, if I have like a life, if there's anyone that I love to like, John is like one of those own buddies that I truly do. Almost, I like we have like a weird understanding and a profound love for each other, while at the same time treating each other terribly in front of others. <laughs> so, oh, that's the manly way. <laughs> he was talking about my podcast. I, I was uh, giving a theology on Tap Talk the week after him, and I and I and I went to his, and he goes, "You you can come to Luke's talk if you like hearing people curse and talk about pornography all all the time, whatever." <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks, John." He was only able to talk because he was a focus. He was a big time unfocused missionary guy before it was a big time thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I love John. Um, so John is um, Byzantine, and he really uh, does a lot. It's really one of the things that I really I love about him is he really emphasizes the teachings of of the church fathers a lot. And he had this post where, he, where they talked about how like doing things in moderation as you like uh, as we try to grow in. And and um and um virtue and it challenged me a bit with Exodus ninety because it's such an extreme thing. I don't know if he was trying to like. I don't, I don't think John was taking a jab at Exodus ninety, but I think he was just trying to say like, hey, like we need um to think about this. And it's a really good point, but sometimes I feel like we and I don't think John was trying to do this at, like at all. But but I'm going to use that example because I think he's um right, but at the same time. I think what makes doing that hard, trying to be moderate in things, is that we approach so much of our attempts to live the Christian life with this all or nothing, that uh, abstaining approach, where it has to be all in or not at all, that it almost seems impossible for some people, or it feels impossible. And I, I don't know. I don't know if, if that makes um, sense or not. Well, I think that's where the idea of virtue comes in, and that's what I think we've been missing for 500 years in the Catholic Church. Virtue is was kind of classically the way it framed all of morality. Like, if you want to understand morality in St. Thomas Aquinas, he just, the, the second part of the second part of the Summa is all just virtues, and it's contradicting vices. And yet, when you have kind of post-Council of Trent morality, it's literally just what we call casuistry. It's just these case-by-case bases judged by one or another legal principle. And, you know, and so what they do is you end up not communicating the wholeness of life and the struggle of virtue. You only end up communicating, did I or did I not break this rule in this one instance? And so oftentimes, like, just teach sexual ethics that way. Okay, uh, my penis is made for a vagina only when I'm married to it and, uh, you know, in a, in a lawful, valid Catholic marriage, and, that's, and it has to be open to procreation. Okay. But if you are a lust-filled teenager, you might know the purpose for sexual intercourse, but not have any virtue, any movement, any steps towards, you know, climbing that ladder called chastity. And because we just teach the, the right-wrong on-off switch – of morality, I think people like myself, we can get, you know, and I did in high school and in middle school a lot because, you know, I had this weird growing porn addiction. Um, the whole idea was so discouraging. Why can't I do it in this instance? Why can't I choose the right thing? Well, I didn't realize I had been building up inertia in the opposite direction. I had been doing little bits of failures over and over again. So now when it came time to have custody over my eyes when it came to pornography, I, I just, I lost it. And that's what's lost 
in that way of teaching. Like you don't understand, like people don't understand. I can't be perfect all of the time, even when I'm facing temptation because I've been building up imperfections for so long or whatever it might but be. But don't you think we expect perfection too soon though? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's, like, that's, that's what I'm getting at. That's the natural result of a legalistic mindset. Like that's, that, that casuistry is like, and it's what when we had uh, Dr. Abigail Favalli on our show, her whole thing was the Protestant ethic isn't chastity but abstinence. And I think that tells you everything. Uh, the Protestant ethic is not a was not this understanding of chastity progress. Like I'm born unchaste, I have to grow in chastity. You, know, you have innocence and things like that, but the Protestant ethic wa- of that purity culture was you're pure right now, which means you aren't having sex and you're a virgin. If you lose that virginity, you've lost it. And so many girls, because it was just this on or off switch. This I hate to say it, but binary approach to. Life, which was, it's either this or it's that. It's either perfect virginity until you're married or you're a whore, right? One way or the other, right? And so for these women, the burden was so much greater because obviously their bodies handle sex in a completely different way than men do. But the for the men, I mean, even Christian men were despairing of their true love weight cards that they signed and all that stuff. And that is is sad. It's sad when you teach it in a way that's different than what the catechism clearly, clearly, clearly lays out on John Chastity. I mean, very clearly. Okay, so I haven't, uh, I haven't been to a Chastity talk or really paid attention to a Chastity talk in a while. Okay, so I'm not going to. I'm gonna, uh, so this could, I could be totally off base with this, but I have been around. Uh, Christian culture, especially Catholic uh, Christian culture, heavily for a, almost twenty years now. Yeah, the church may teach the, what you're saying, which is this. You know, I would say a more integrated approach of you know, like you're not. Yeah, integration is an excellent phrase. Successful integration. Yeah, yeah. There's like almost like we understand like the point of grace. That's why we um, have confession. It is this you know back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and um, back and forth kind of thing. Yeah. Where, where hopefully we are progressing t- to something with the understanding of like, hey, you're probably going to screw up, and that not that that's okay, but that it's like there's a place to go with that. You, yeah. you can find healing from that. You can keep you know so, but. That's what the church teaches, but I think there's a very, very big gap between that teaching. So last week, I very poorly, I believe, tried to talk about the aesthetic theological or the theological aesthetic, the which is a Balthasar idea yeah. of allowing the church to inform how I like how I am a view creation, like beauty, and all and all of that stuff. I'm mean, I'm doing a piss poor job of explaining this. I barely understand it myself, but. I think in, as it relates to things like sex, Catholic young adult culture has an aesthetic theological issue. Like we place the church's teaching on this pedestal, this thing that we're trying to attain that we really can't because we are in such a broken culture and it's so ingrained and like distorted are my, I mean, like, people are psychologically damaged to the point where some are just straight up addicted forever. There's nothing they can do besides trying to deal, besides trying to, like, learn to, ha- um, I mean, anyone can, can like, um, can, um, find healing. But my point is that, like, sometimes that healing just takes, takes the form of having to learn how to live with your addiction. Because your brain is, like, hardwired from, from a young age. You, you, you are fundamentally changed. 
my point though is that I think that the way we talk about it as a Catholic as a Catholic American culture, we're not coming. F- I don't think for the most part we actually come from a place of integration or as trying to, or as we are in. I'm informed by this. I'm a teaching, and now we're trying to live. I think it's we talk about it so much that it's just this thing that we talk about that we're trying to attain. And for the, and and I th- think it does a lot of damage. Okay, what do you mean? It's the thing we talk about. We talk about chastity so much, yeah, because it is very, very important. Yeah, but I think I don't know if we really do a good job of. Um, it's not getting any better. No, is what I'm saying. It's yeah. if anything, it's gotten worse. Yeah, and that could be the culture. And it's just that the people who are I'm talking about are so few and far between that there's really not much that they can do. Yeah. And that could very well be, be, be the case. But as a whole, why is Catholic dating so freaking unhealthy? Every, every city I've been in, it's bad. And, like, so many people, like, they actually, like, I know some people who actually resent certain, and I don't know if I agree with them or not. I'm just saying this is just what they have expressed to me, and I, I don't know how to respond to this. It's actually been kind of weird having to um, navigate that. They resent certain speakers that they heard in high school and how they feel like it's kind of like screwed them up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And like these are Catholic speakers and stuff. And I'm like, so what is it? Are they, um, are they um, right? Or is it just, you know, like what's, what's really going on? And, and so that, that, that's what I mean by it. is this, this thing that we're trying to attain as opposed to a way to try to like view life. Reality is is what I'm saying. You know, are we really viewing um reality for? Are we are we able to see? Are we able to understand and see like the sexual act for um for what it actually is, and like what all this stuff um what all this stuff like means, or is this thing everyone's trying to attain that they won't ever be able to do, and it gets in their head at a very um, at an age where just their brains are like, you know, sponges, and then they feel completely lost when they when they screw up, or they feel like it's this unattainable thing, and they're just bad because of it. Because I don't think we come f- from a place of I'm bad or I'm pure, and, and, and like I need to like you know maintain this purity. I don't think that's actually going on. I think what we have is this unattainable standard that we that we have upset because it's been place as a thing to achieve as opposed to a thing and understand and come from. So, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I just, I don't know how to wrap my head around this thing. Like, I think you do achieve a thing called chastity and that's when you attain the virtue of chastity. But it's, but I'm, I, I, I'm not saying it's not on the chastity. It's uh, okay. So let me, let me add this little, this little nuance or whatever. So are you saying that in Catholic circles, there's this, Understanding, like this moral principle understanding, like, oh, you must be chaste, safe sex for marriage, marriage for babies and bonding. You got all that language, maybe even throwing theology of the body in there, and you understand all of that stuff. But it's one thing to know it and to talk about it. It's another thing to actually try to live a chaste friendship with someone of the opposite sex and to experience all that stuff. Because, I mean, in my mind, a lot of people know what the truth is, can articulate the truth, but they haven't engaged in the self-mastery of training in freedom and so what ends up happening is you get a guy who's learned this stuff and he's with a girl who maybe has learned this stuff and yet together they can never seem to be chased 
right? They constantly fall. They take advantage of each other. They manipulate each other. And then you just have these um, groups where it's like the ideal is being fostered, but it's not being lived out at all. Yeah. And it, yes, but I think that the ideal thing <laughs> yes, is Yes, with put, a but. <laughs> it, it, I think it is put on such a pedestal, on such a pedestal though. It's like we talk about it so much that I wonder if we blow it out of proportion. Okay. You know, and now, like, obviously, like, premarital, like, and, and I hope people understand, I've talked about this on here, that, like, when we do this stuff, it, it, there's a consequence, and it screws us up, and it hurts. Like, there's a reason why it's, why it's, why it's I'm considered wrong. So we should talk about the virtue of chastity, but it seems like we always or only talk about the virtue of chastity. Or just yeah, sexual purity, as, as or like whatever. the most important thing. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's—I don't know—it's—it's—it's because it's, it's, I, I think it should be like the first thing. But like, why is the porn talk always about like girls? You are a princess, and guys be like be like a warrior, girl. Don't 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 uh, look at porn. Like, wh- there's I I think if we were if we had if we were coming from a place of you know really trying to understand this. And live this out. I don't know if we would have some of the shame if we'd be so shameful and hidden. Yeah, the way that it is. Now, I mean, a part of that is uh, Satan, and he like he wants to isolate us. He wants, you know, and it could be all. I'm I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, but I just don't understand. Like, there really is a resentment amongst a lot of people. Yeah, towards like Catholic speakers for the, for this. Yeah, and I I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that I think in, especially in the 90s, a lot of Catholics, especially through the charismatic renewal, because they're so much in contact with evangelicals, that they saw what seemed like success around purity rings and true love weights, that they just adopted it whole cloth. And they didn't really use the language of chastity as a virtue. They talked about abstinence. And I remember meeting a a Catholic speaker who talks about chastity and travel around. And she, she was an international person, but I had never heard of her until she came to Franciscan. And we were talking and she said, and she's the one that first made that distinction. Chastity speakers, Catholic speakers must always talk about chastity, never just abstinence. Abstinence is a small no. Chastity is a greater yes. And if you, if that doesn't come, even if you say that, but it doesn't come across in your message to high school students, all they're going to hear is no, 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 no. Oh, no, I made a mistake. All is lost. But um, the uh, oh, you said something that, oh, like, okay, for instance, um, when you talk about what else needs to be talked about, I think it's born from a parent's fear, an adult's fear of unhinged sexuality, right? Especially today, right? Things are crazy. Sexually transmitted diseases not just the amount or the the yeah the amount of infected but the different types of new viruses that have come into existence in the last like 30 years is like shocking but the other things that we don't often talk about chastity with is number 1 the idea of virtue temperance is actually a virtue and we need to talk about that we need to talk about what does it mean to have a body and why being having a body is okay because i think a lot of people think they end up leaving a chastity talk, and they have this image of the body, even though chastity speakers might not say it, because there's such an emphasis on you're going to get pregnant, you're going to get a disease, at least there was back in the day, that they don't talk about things like self-knowledge. They don't talk about things like fidelity to prayer. 
like moral virtue. They don't talk about those wider things all the time. They don't talk about, you know, growing as a human person and how being in relationships with members of the opposite sex that are free from sexual tension is one of the primary ways you grow as a human person, as well as having strong same-sex friendships help you grow as a human person. And really, it's just don't do it. Like, the message that comes across is don't do it, don't do it. Oh, man, you did it. Well, crap, go to confession. And there are so much more to it. Yeah, I think it's the insane, like, it's almost like we're trying to do a massive marriage prep. Yeah. So people <laughs> yeah. are like, I'm ready to be, to, you know, so they're pure when they get married. I mean, yeah, in a way. I would agree with that. And I think and there's I, a good part about that and a bad one. Yeah, but I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, um, it's it's weird because on one hand, I agree this is a, this is the biggest issue and the thing that we need to be talking about the most. But at the same time, it seems like talking about it too much is actually maybe doing more harm than good. I just don't know a lot of people who are actually transformed by a chastity talk. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I... I mean, th- th- that's harsh. That's, that's, that's harsh. Because right. I'm, I'm... I think, like, the theology of the body has changed lives. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, no, no. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think... Th- um, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> That's why this show exists. I've been in I'm young adult ministry long enough, and I've been talking to people um, long yeah. enough about this, yeah. that like, there's, like, there is something that is missing, and I don't know what it is yet. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of my own life. Like When I would do stupid stuff in my 20s, I knew everything. I had heard all the talks. I had, I had done everything. My problem, I think, was more of a lack of intimate – of a lack of being willing to engage in intimate uh, um, uh, relationships with the people around me. And I thought that was only going to come about through some type of homosexual experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. after a while, how can you say no to that? I think – yeah, I would say two things very specifically. Our lack of being truly raised by our family instead of by our peer groups once we hit middle school or high school. Because for many of us, we're completely detached from family, especially extended family. We don't know what it means to love a member of the opposite sex in a truly non-sexual way, right? Like, that's the value of cousins, unless you're from Arkansas. That's the value of cousins. See what I did there? I mean, yeah, you did. That's yeah. great. Well, so, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I just went, I drove my kids on Thursday. We drove up to Broken Arrow, my hometown. Uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and we stayed in a hotel, and then in the morning, I took the kids to my house where I grew up to show them, and then we went to my neighbor across the street. It was funny. When I was driving down the street in my neighborhood, I filmed a video for my brothers, and I just went, what would you do if I sang? Because <laughs> that's like the song that is pure nostalgia for me. Um, but uh, So then we went across the street to our neighbors, and they were home. The parents were home. They were like, oh, my gosh. Come on in, Jeff and Cindy Hem." And we sat there, me and my wife, kids played in the backyard, and we just talked for 45 minutes without stopping. And, uh, and then I took him to my old church, uh, saw Father Sean, the parochial vicar at my old church. It was so awesome. And then drove to be at the wedding of my godson, my nephew, Drew. Drew's the second of my brother's um, sons or kids. And uh, my kids with their cousins, whether it's my wife's side of the family or my side of the family, much rarer my side of the family because we don't get to see them as much. They light up. 
They light up. It fills them with joy. And to watch my nephews, especially Damon, who's like, oh, Mr. Independent, 22-year-old, you know, whatever. He's all my, all my nephews are, like, ripped. It's kind of awesome. But uh, he, like, has no problem, you know, picking kids up and putting them on his shoulders and dancing in the crowd and all this stuff. Hmm. And I think there's this element where, you know, when the, the only kid you know of the opposite sex is the neighbor's kid, right? There's an element where, yeah, it could be friendship and wonderful and just neighbors, mm-hmm. but there there's that possibility that's hanging there. Whereas having big families or having, you know, like brothers and sisters, a lot of brothers and sisters, or having like cousins and relatives or having people that are like brothers and sisters, I, I think that's, that could be a poverty because then you learn, like, I, I remember dating this one girl who was very quiet. And when I saw her with her family, totally different person. And it just took, she was a late bloomer in terms of friendships, but it took friends who were really close to her to bring that side, which was her true self, out mm-hmm. into the open. And, I mean, imagine uh, imagine if she didn't have that family in her life. She would let that social anxiety kind of dominate. And it could be that for years longer, or maybe even her whole life, you wouldn't have seen that other side of her. No, I think that's actually interesting. So I asked a person. There was one person specifically. Again, this is a thing that I've heard about from a lot of people over yeah. the years. But I did have a person that I wanted to ask. So I just sent her a really quick test and saying, uh, text saying, like, hey, like, tell me, like, what bothers you about this? Uh, okay, so part of it was certain things that building up the idea of, like, a soulmate and, like, preparing you, a person for, like, marriage when you tell that to, like, to a teenage girl, one, um, they're just they're still like growing and um developing as individuals and they're t- and they're they're like tasting men if if you will and like and and what they find, and what they find like attractive that can change over time and that is growing and encouraging them t- to say like find the things that like like have like a list of stuff that like you like I'm want in a guy and hold them to that you know and have that be your standard when it, you are a, a teenage girl that's actually like that's not a healthy thing and it can like screw with her head and it starts to plant these especially when, when you talk about like soulmates or something or a person who you are um, destined to be with or who, who perhaps even god has planned for you quote unquote it's not really a thing that the church t- teaches and that can really screw with the, like especially a teenage girl's head mm. That like she felt like a lot of stuff that she had um, read from them wasn't really wasn't really um, practical at like at all and um, like what was like the cost of um, certain things to get really where they were of a place of bats than being like in a really good good place what was the cost of that what was it, it I, I so I, I think her point is that it um, sets these unrealist it doesn't really dwell in reality it's more these um, hyperbolic stuff that we try to say like here's a thing that you can attain find like your soulmate which is the thing the church doesn't you know one teach I would say it doesn't actively um teach against it but it doesn't really teach that yeah and that um, really uh, I think can screw up with you know girls' heads you know why and I'll say this right alongside what Dave Van Vickle in the first episode perch like a bird that we had him on. He said that the Long Island medium, you know, that famous lady had a TV show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave preached against it, and this woman, like, ripped him apart because she took her daughter to go um, to go to the Long Island medium. And then, like, six months later, 
uh, for her daughter's birthday. And then, like, six months later, she calls him back and is like, I need your help. My daughter hasn't eaten in two days. She's locked herself in her room. He's like, what happened? He said, the Long Island Medium told her, oh, you're applying to, let's just say, Notre Dame. She's like, oh, my gosh, I am. And she knew all these details about this girl's life. She said, when you go there, you're going to meet the man of your dreams. You're going to meet your soulmate. She's like, oh, my gosh. She's like, so get excited. Well, guess what happened? She didn't get accepted into Notre Dame. Oh, boy. And she told her, like, you'll meet him your freshman year or something like that. And she didn't meet him. You know, or she wasn't going to meet him because she wasn't in the school. And so this girl completely got, he said, that's what these people do. And it, it kind of makes me think like it's almost like that in reverse by setting up an impossible ideal or almost impossible ideal of soulmate. There's one person and only one person out there in the world for you, and that's it. I mean, there are incredible stories about people finding this one person. You know, uh, Jason Everett talks about the two kids sitting on the, um, you know, guy meets Padre Pio, and he's like, you're going to, you know, meet the woman you love, blah, 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 and Long and short of it, they both visited Padre Pio when they were children, and there's a famous picture that both their parents took of them sitting on the steps in mm-hmm. Petrocino, Italy, mm-hmm. and they're sitting right next to each other as little kids, and they didn't talk to each other, but the parents took the photo almost at the exact same time, and it's just so uncanny that you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy, um, that there are, there are stories of what, what, could, what we would call in the Catholic world extraordinary uh, actions. But well, because I, th- yeah, I, I think that's think right. Th- sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think you're right. I think they're by using that language, we want to build up romantic love. We want to build up God's hand, you know, the divine plan in human love. But at the time, like how it's received can become, and we can't always control that, but it can become um, overwhelming. I, I think I've finally unpacked this, which was very messy. So good luck editing all of this. Uh, I'm glad that I reached out to this one. Individual, and I think you ha- you had some good points as well. So this person talked about how these uh, how these uh, couple of s- speakers that she heard in high school. There wasn't a lot of practical advice, so it just it was really because I, I think one reason why people do that is because they think teenagers can't handle it and they don't want to scandalize them. Yeah, that may have changed over the past five years because things are so bad now. Yeah. But I definitely think that was true when we were in when we were in high school, and up until when I was doing active active like youth ministry. So let's say 2014. So it may have changed over the over the past like five years or so. But she had brought up when she when she saw on one of the one of the same speakers again over at over at Seek. This person brought up like some of the real um, healing that they that, that they had to find and just how um, difficult it was and kind of went more into the mess. Mm-hmm. Of, of that story that she actually found to be really helpful. And I think that's um, of the difference between, I think, a place that you are coming from and a thing that you are striving for. Because when we hide the details and when we don't get into specifics, we don't make it incarnate, it becomes impossible. Yeah. And I think we can do that, especially for high school kids. That's easy to do because you want to protect them. But, like, like I'm always a big joke when, you know, um, when um, we were all in um, high school and everyone's like, don't like, like, you know, I don't think like we always talk about how parents had like no idea what everyone our age was doing on their computers at home. Yeah. No one had a freaking clue. Yeah. Yeah. And it took till we were in college that people started to quietly kind of call that out a little bit. <laughs> yep. You know, but what if someone had done it when we were in high school? Uh-huh. What if they had said, here's what you can like, okay, guys, look, listen, when you're on the internet at two in the morning, trying to talk to, trying to, to like talk to girls 
and you are in your, you know, and you screw up looking at porn. Here's how to like find. That's why I think Matt Frad does a really great um, job. Like he gets very specific in his in his talks, and you know, like he names things, and he gives very um, practical advice. And I think when we fail to do that and just talk about it's, it's talking about the idea of like chastity as opposed to what striving for it actually looks like, yeah, and how to do that. That's 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 what I've been trying to get at for the past. 35 minutes now, apparently, <laughs> almost um, 40 minutes, is when we talk about the idea of a thing, when you're talking about it to people who don't know you're just talking about an idea, yeah, that's actually really damaging, so, I think. So, right when you were talking, uh, fan of the show, Brian Jones, the Peeping Thomas, sent me uh, Ethica Pol- Politica, uh, an online journal. And the title was Let's Not Do Men's Stuff by David Mills, uh, April 3rd, 2019. An ad for a Catholic men's conference popped up on my Facebook page. One of those, your friends, X, Y, and Z like this ads. I read it and thought, I'd go many miles out of my way to avoid a men's conference. And he says this line that sounded just like what you said. Uh, it, <laughs> he said, it's not the problem of a single-sex event. That's, it's not being a single-sex event that's the problem. It's being a men's conference that's about men being men, like the one I saw advertised. And I love this uh, hilarious thing. It is something to be dealt with, but not really through such conferences. Talking about men who don't have family role models and stuff. Self-conscious masculinity is an unmasculine way to deal with the challenges. Pep talks and rallies don't make a man feel like a man. At most, they make men feel like they're feeling like men. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's very true about chastity talks, especially if you buy into the model, is they make you feel like a chaste person. I mean, you're not. Yeah, exactly. But you have a card and a ring and a, and a, and a pep in your step, and you can quote some JP2, and that's enough for you or something like that. Well, and I think that is really um, what I meant about, like, when, was it, when has a um, chastity talk ever changed anyone's, um, anyone's um, life? I am sure that it has. When has a men's session ever you know, made a man more of a man? Yeah, but, like, I think it actually gives us more of a microdose of, like, and then we try to chase that high. We, we, we you know, uh, we, we get that spiritual high, we have our kick, and then we're home and we're trying to go after that. And it's impossible to just go after it. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of back and forth and a, and a hell of a lot of community and a lot of um, trying to find healing and understand why am I doing um, these things. Because sometimes you do it just because you're horny. And that's okay. It's okay to be horny. <laughs> you know, like, it is. It is. You've it's said okay that before. Be, You've said that before. Like, but, like, we, we, so... we act like it's this thing that's like, oh, no. Like, it's like, like. Blood is going to like if you're if you're an adolescent <laughs> dude, blood is going to rush to your penis, and you're going to want to do weird, crazy stuff, like, and you're going to throw away any sort of rational thought, like, like how many stupid stuff have we done because of girl? How much like all of like, them? All of like the so things. much, all of like so much of my life is defined by like by wrong-headed attempts things. to impress women. <laughs> hey, look! I'm gonna bash my head into this road sign. You think that's cool? You probably do. <laughs> Bang! Now I have really severe head trauma for the rest of my One life. One time at a cafe in Paris, in front of a girl that I that we had talked about, perhaps like you know, incessantly talking um i said don't we all just view god as like through our father wombs because i didn't know what else to say 
<laughs> you know, I'm like, instead of talking about the fact that we were in Paris, I just went to like, oh, I don't know what to say. Oh, man, sometimes I just wish I didn't view God the way that I view my father, which is like insulting to my father, who was a good man. <laughs> like, just <laughs> not what this girl probably wanted to talk about while at a cafe in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, Luke. No, that's a really good point. However... Uh, sometimes I view you while I'm walking <laughs> away. <laughs> However, uh, you're going to realize that this is ex- the exact moment where like things went wrong and it's just not ever going to work out. Yeah. Oh, you're going to think in about 10 months from now that perhaps you are starting to hit it off again, but you're not, <laughs> not, sorry, even not. not even a little, not even a little. And then you're going to try to kiss my roommate while you're kind of dating this other girl, which is going to cause a whole lot of other oh my God, complications. And then you're going to keep keep um, dating the girl that you, that you were like, I'm dating, and that's going to end in a disaster and cause you years and years of pain. <laughs> oh, and along those lines, here's paragraph 2338 from the Catechism. True chastity tolerates neither a double life nor duplicity in speech, which would define all of Luke's dating in the 20s. <laughs> And probably just in college. Just in college. <laughs> well, no, because they're just like, I mean, and it, again, I, I'm not trying to insult anyone who, I mean, I've given um chastity talks. Like, I, I think all the I would Luke, pay such good money to hear your chastity. They're talk. hella good. They're hella good. Listen, I love, like, listen, kids, my high, blood is going to rush to a certain part <laughs> of your body. You're going to, you're going to feel awkward. You're going to blame the pleat in your pants. However, it's natural, baby. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Carey, you are clearly grooming these people. Please get off the stage. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just being real. I'm being relevant. <laughs> so anyway, I, I really just want to um, make sure that everyone knows I'm not trying to bash on the chastity. So I'm just trying to unpack, like, yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And I, I think that I, – I honestly think podcasts have helped with this, that we, we just – we need to be more incarnate when we talk about this, even with high school kids, in a way that is appropriate, obviously. But you can do that. You don't have to shield them from from all of this stuff. Yeah. And I think you can – do you think – I'm not saying we should give, like, kids permission to screw up. But, how, like, how can you – like, um, you say you're probably going to mess up, and that's okay. There's uh, – there is um, – confession. Like, this is not – we're not – like, this isn't about – perfection this is about dwelling in reality and understanding what's really going on here and like yeah it's so hard like you're gonna you're, you're probably gonna screw up and it's not the end of the world like can you say that or is that like how do you fr- like how do you unframe that is you put the cross oh, at the center you put the cross at the center okay. of everything because the, the the only way you can do it so you can't be condemning because you'll kill the people with shame or the people will just reject you like um, what's her name? Did uh, uh, what's her name? Abigail Favale. Yeah. What she I was like? Interview her again. I was so oh, sick. When we did. She was so awesome. But she said, um, you know, when they made that comment, like it's as if every time you sleep with someone, it's as if someone puts uh, their hand in red paint and puts it on your beautiful white dress. And she's like, well, I guess I'm wearing a red dress to my wedding. You know, like you, unless you put the cross at the center which then you know keeps the con- condemnation of the sin yet finds liberty and mercy for the sinner you're going to do one or the other and that's the thing that i think people miss out on the third way of the gospel and the gospel says it's not just like love the sinner hate the sin in a way because i mean it is and it isn't because the the problem is when you def- when you remove the moral law you give you and i was just talking about this with a deacon today when, like, when I'm doing marriage prep, I have to bring up if they're cohabitating 
and they, ha- they need to refrain from all sexual activity until they're married. Do you know what it's like telling 55-year-old people that they have to stop having sex? You know, do you know what it's like to, to do? I do this all the time to the point where the priest who's in charge of our tribunal said when I was asking this question, like, hey, should I be telling these people that they should that they can become Catholic if they abstain from sex and live together as brother and sister? And he said, yeah, well, we don't really encourage that. And I said, why is that? And he said, because a lot of people can't do that. And I said, can you as a priest? And he was like, excuse me. And I was like, you're doing it. Why can't these people do it? Are they less than anyone? And he's like, no, I didn't mean that. I just mean that it is very difficult for people who have already had sexual relationship to abstain. I said, no, I understand it's difficult, but is it still permissible? He goes, Michael, that's the way we want it. We want people to abstain, to come into the church, get their marriage fixed. And then he said, but most people won't do that. So, and he goes, and honestly, I've never heard a single DRE or anyone involved in RCIA other than you right now ever have the question that you have because no one ever says you have to live together as brother and sister until you uh, uh you know if you want to enter the church now or you wait until but either way you have to abstain from that he's like uh, people don't say that he's like yeah you're right but people don't say that and so one of the bigger things that we keep looking at within all of these things is when we don't tell people the truth about the moral law we're not only are we lying to them about what's good and bad and what's harmful but then on top of that, we're denying them the ability to repent. When we condone the sin, we're denying them the ability to ever find freedom from that. But if you put the cross at the center, and you have to do it differently for different audiences, right? You have to do it differently for different audiences. But if I'm giving a chastity talk to high school students, I would say, and I do this for married couples, I would say 15 minutes out of 45 is dedicated to the death and resurrection of Jesus and the incarnation of Christ, and how the body is good, and will ultimately be resurrected, and how in between this state, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when you frame it around the death and resurrection of Jesus, then they understand that my body is not meant just for indulgence, and at the same time, if I fail and sin, and not just make a mistake, I can make mistakes, but if I truly sin, then I can come back to the cross, but that involves repentance. You can't See, this is the problem about teaching morality without putting the cross at the center, is it just becomes a series of do's and don'ts. It doesn't become apprenticeship and self-mastery, which is what chastity is. It doesn't become a growth in virtue. It's just, did I obey the rule in this time? No. We were watching a Chris Farley movie in the basement. The lights were out. None of the parents were home. And then we did the hibbity-dibbity. Or, what you gets know. you going? <laughs> Chris Farley always gets me going. <laughs> that and, is correct. <laughs> and my in-law's uh, basement, apparently, because there's no basement here in Texas. 1984. God, just give me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Spanish Armada, 15. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, but think about this. How many people in those messed up Catholic dating scenes would you say have notably good friendships with their neighbor? Well, same sex, opposite sex. Um, I, I would actually say a lot. Okay. But I think that the issue is that this isn't really talked about. So there's a – I mean, I, I don't – you would have to define like what you mean by good relationship with your neighbor. No, what I, think, I mean by that is do they have friendships with the opposite sex and with their own sex? Do they have a bunch of guys – if they're a guy, do they have a bunch of guys that they're yeah, yes, guys yeah, with? Yeah, and I think do so. they have a bunch of so. girls that they can I think be, so. That they can interact with. Is it, how is that a messed up dating scene then? 
Well, I mean, that's not the one thing that defines it like uh, like a messed up on the dating scene. No, no, I would say the lack of that is one of oh, the big. Oh, oh, one of the yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah I, so if, I, like, if you're like at a Denver the, young adult scene, you, I mean, you knew tons of people in that. No, well, here's why it's messed up. One, because everyone's screwing each other, and they don't, don't talk about it. And two, there's this. I think this actually goes into the. I, I don't think it's a lack of almost friendship with with the opposite sex or with people of your like own your own sex or whatever yeah i think it's um one an inability to talk about um, about this stuff openly with mm. them out of um, fear of sh- of um, shame or wanting to protect the other um, person or different things um, so and then two i think we put marriage on such a pedals on such a pedestal that when you ask a girl out it immediately becomes a discernment for marriage like it kicks it off like, and it's. I I think that is so fucked up, and I use that word intentionally. It is fucked up that it. Uh, and feel free to feel free to bleep that out. Sorry to create more work for you. I love you. Don't you ever apologize. <laughs> it messes like that is the number one thing that screws on people up, and I think part of that comes in the way that we do that we like I'm um, gonna do these talks because it's always done in the context of so you can be like free in your marriage or so like we put too much we have we we basically I'm a fetishize marriage. Okay, I think to the point that when uh, I mean. It happens every time, like a like a guy asks out a girl, or a guy's too scared to, or the, or the girl gets too attached, or the guy gets too attached. It's it it happens. It's not just a girl thing; it's absolutely a um guy thing as well. I've been on both ends of that multiple times. Uh, it like it just messes <laughs> it messes things up because so the idea becomes, of every time I'm having an interaction with a member of the opposite sex where it is romantic, it is. A dating well, yeah, relationship, or, or it's going there. A flirtatious element too. Yeah, yeah, it's like, but it's you're you're telling me that because of the chastity talks in the background is, is this a person I should marry? Will this woman be yeah. a good mother I, to my? I don't kids? think it's solely because of of the chastity talks, but I think that the way that that they have been presented in the past, yeah, and the way I I, I think it's like a like a whole bunch of things, yeah, um, but that is part of it that we put marriage on such a pedestal that it doesn't that it cannot maintain or hold that it it really screws up on people really really badly like i i i think there were times when i wasn't able to get out of certain relationships um because uh like I felt like like I wanted to marry them, but I didn't get along with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was this okay, thing. Okay, so like, I see that like an idealized like, marriage. Yeah, this but is the way it should be. There's it's like not there. I really care about this yeah. person. I really, really care about them. Like I would even say like <laughs> I love them. I love this person, but our relationship. <laughs> but I can't get along with them. Is you know, and it like, and this is why I bring this up during my point on marriage. Like it's a two way street. Yeah, there is this thing where like we absolutely need to be open. To marriage, but that's not what makes this a good or bad relationship. Like, oh, does this work? I see what you're saying. Does this work? An hour you into know? it, I now understand. You Luke, know, and, I and think then... that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I know. I, I think that makes perfect sense. I totally agree with you. I totally re- agree with you. The idea or ideal or fetishiz- fetishization of marriage, like, yeah, bouncing around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, and like telling kids, like you know, when you know, I mean, you're in high school, be pure as a gift to your future. Like, 
I, I guess it's good to pray for your for your spouse when you're in college, but how many people like? I don't like. It's kind of weird. Yeah, but it's also you know? sweet. I mean, it, is it? Like, yeah. I think it's virtue signaling for one. And then two. Not if you don't tell anyone. It's only virtue signaling if you put a hashtag on. Well, that's what I mean by like how much we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think it's it's I think it's it is a beautiful <laughs> thing in like your prayer to you know to like, but I think when you do it from a, like a place of prayer as opposed to this like there's like a healthy way to do it and there's a and there's a, um, a there's a not healthy way to do it and I think Catholic dating culture nine times out of ten emphasizes the unhealthy way to go about to go about stuff. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it only took me an hour and a half to understand. No, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're. I think you hit something right there. The the um, the overwhelming ideal of marriage creeping in, uh, even where it shouldn't, um, can can really mess things up. I think the problem is like the way it's taught is that it's taught always through the language of like fear based sexuality. Like we don't want you to make these mistakes, and there's a very good reason for that. But also this notion that, like, sex is for this type of relationship. And romantic feelings can very quickly lead to physical intimacy, right? Like, you feel this way for a oh, girl. Yeah. You start yeah. making out. And now, you know, you're bumping and grinding. Uh, but it's not sex. Don't worry. Um, the issue that you have is then you're trying to steer, like, so I, I could see this coming up in, like, the purpose of sex is for babies and bonding. And you're trying to steer the individual to think out more than just my immediate sexual horniness and all that stuff. Like you're trying to say, like, no, it's it's meant for the complete and lifelong mutual gift of man and woman together in marriage. But what you're doing is just getting a cheap thrill. And so it tends to even make the romantic parts of relationship get clouded with this. this well, and, and I think about. especially with teens, they can't see far into the future. Like they, their brains cannot process that for the most part. They can, they're driven by like their hormones and whatever the hell they're scared of. You know, that's kind of <laughs> it. Like that's pretty much which is like the majority of life, anyways. But um, yeah, teens, twenties, it's just overwhelming. <laughs> and so when you put this pressure on them and they have um, they have um, nowhere to go with it, they're gonna go inward. And that's so I yeah. think it's better. I, I I'm wondering if it'd be better just to talk about where they are right now. You know, and don't and barely talk about a marriage. Like you can say, obviously, in the context of like it as like it, you know, as a sacrament. But I think if I was giving a a, uh, I would just say like you like you're not unmarried yet, so you can't um you can't um do this, and that would be it. That'd be it. That would um literally be yeah. all that I would um say about it because they cannot comprehend the future. All they can comprehend is, you know, the girl right up next to them, and they think that she's hot, even though they'll look back and like, I'm a ten years and be like, never mind. Like they, they just can't think that. You know, the, it's it's why it's why when you teach, the dumbest way to try to like manage a classroom is to talk about the future. Of course, you're trying to um, you're trying um to mold them for the future, but you can't talk about it that way because they don't give a shit about that. They could care. They yeah. they, they they don't care. And so you don't, and you just, like, you brought up a really great point about how you're not trying to, like, um, raise your daughters to be good girls. You're trying to um, raise them to be, like, queens who will reign. Like, you're trying to grow yeah. adults. You're not a princess to be indulged. You're a queen who yeah, will Yeah, I, I thought about that yeah. a lot with, you know, like, um, with, like, uh, with, like, our daughter, Everly, and, what, and I, I, like, I, I, I love that. But what I can't do is, like, tell her that directly. 
You know, I can't say I'm trying to help you become a good adult. That's not going to mean anything to her, to her. It, like she won't, especially especially when she's a teen. Now I can implant the idea in, in her in her head of this, of of like it's not about you being I'm special. It's about you doing good um, things. But you can talk about doing that right now. You know, so it's I think it's much better with them to talk about the here and now as opposed to ten years up from now. Um, there's a sick quote from the catechism, self-mastery is a long and exacting work, and no one can consider it acquired once and for all. It presupposes renewed effort at all stages of life. And when I quote that, I say, now let me tell you what that means. What that means is right now you're battling hormones and access to a car when you turn 16 and a lot more freedom and opportunity when you turn 18 and all of this and stuff. And AP history. <laughs> with that, next to that cute girl with the short shorts. You know who I'm talking about. No, but like wh- whoever it might be, whatever it might be for you, like right now feels overwhelming. I said, but I can't tell you how many men and women have affairs in their 40s and 50s. You know, you think of old people that they're married, they don't ever have sex, they don't ever think of these things. But the problem is when life radically shifts on you, you need a whole new effort of self-mastery. And I'm watching all these men who achieved status and wealth think, now I can now I can use my money to draw in, and of course they draw on the type of women who are drawn to that, but they use their money to draw on and indulge their sexual appetites that really, honestly, out of fear and a lack of opportunity, they never acted on them before. So they might have been virgins when they were married, but now their life shifts and they're in this position of power or strength or mm-hmm. notoriety yeah. or status, yeah. and all of a sudden they think they're fine. They're not engaging in any self-knowledge. They're not really chased. They were just abstaining out of fear. And I, I keep going back to that Nietzsche quote where he said, most people aren't moral. They're not good. They're just afraid. You know, they're just That's afraid to do quote. evil and yeah. stand out. It That's is. such a good quote. It is because I think about that all the time in regards to my own life, my own health, my own, like the way I view morality is like, am I a rule follower because I believe the rules that, that, that the church has handed down are good? Or is it because I'm afraid to do otherwise, and I built my whole ego around this? Thing. Do you know what I honestly think? I wonder if it's be more. Okay, I'm gonna think back to like high school, uh, high school on Luke in one very specific like situation. It, I honestly think it would have been more chase for me to kiss a girl when I was scared to that I really cared about, as opposed to trying to abstain from when I was just with a girl that I didn't care about because. One was about conquering fear. I mean, of, of 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 course, it would have been good to like not like, uh, not like use a person. But I think it would have actually helped me grow because I would have been actively doing a thing as opposed to just restraining. I mean, and they're like they're both good. Like they're both really good things. So so perhaps I'm, I, I I should say that it was like the more um chase thing to do. But I think you. I think it'd be the more heroic, like it would have helped me be like grow in heroic virtue, because it, it would have been like an innocent. So sweet you're saying kiss. being brave and doing the kiss, even if it wasn't an immorally overly bad. No, just kiss. but like something like like a, like a like a, just like like normal. I like you like a, a lot. Kiss. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're saying it would have been more chaste if you had done the brave thing. Then what was the opposite? I think it would have helped my chastity more if I had done that as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to, like, make out with the same girl that I always make out with when I'm bored. You know? Oh, I miss her (laughs) so much. She's very happy now. She's fine. 
She's, she's a good, good person. person. Yeah. She's a great person. She's such a good I am person. so terrified uh, that I'm going to run into her eventually. <laughs> I, I can't so... wait till that Luke's moved back to Dayton. Do corner. you know what it was it. like? The one <laughs> well, I was at, like when I first <laughs> um, moved here, I was at a, like a house party, and this guy goes, "Hey, uh, Joe Smith is gonna <laughs> come over." I went, "What?" <laughs> and he goes, "Joe Smith." I'm like, uh, "Wait, who?" And I was like, "I gotta go." <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine you having like you're running out the front door, and Aaron's like, "What no, the hell, Luke?" Is... And she's still in the house, and you have toilet paper stuck to your shoe, like, and you're like, jumping over like, a. Bush. Well, this has been great. That's what I. No, this is like during that little um, window when Aaron, I wasn't here, and I, I was um, making friends before we got married. And I was just like, ha, ha, ha. And, like, when he, when he came, I, I was honestly, like, scared. I was quiet. I was like, hey, it's good to see you. Hey, guy. <laughs> oh, how's your sister? Oh, good. Great. Girl, good to hear. She's awesome. Yeah. Anyways, I got to go. Uh, oh, man. That makes my <laughs> Yeah, it was so very terrible. But, but then the funny part was, like, I'm friends with them now, so it's, it's, it's cool. I'm like, okay, okay. That's right. Your, your sister's a good, forgiving person. All right. <laughs> So, but anyways, like, I think it would have been, as opposed to, like, uh, you know, kissing a girl that, like, I cared about, but I, I like, I knew that I didn't want to date. And so the girl that, like, I liked more, doing, like, the sweet, brave thing would have actually helped me grow in virtue. Maybe. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, you're comparing two good things. So I'm not saying that one's bad and one's, you know. (laughs) <laughs> or too bad. Yeah, making out with the same girl over and over. Again <laughs> well, no, no. Just because you feel sad is not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like good. I'm, I'm saying abstaining from doing that is a very good thing to do. Oh, I'm okay. saying abstaining. Yes, from, gotcha. From that. Okay, I flipped that over. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, it is funny because when Saint Thomas Aquinas and this is in the virtue tradition with Aristotle, it's called the unity of the virtues. That when you grow in one virtue, you necessarily grow in all the others. Which is why people who work out find that they can pray better and, you know, or pray more consistently. Yeah, yeah. You know, like all those things. It's the the unity of a human life. And so um, it it is fascinating, though, like, uh, so I'm being brave here at a thing that could potentially be unchaste, but there's a lot of bravery. So then moral scholars will say, well, that's not true bravery. That's, uh, That's an imitation form of bravery, like the bravery of a Nazi soldier in fighting the Allies. Like there might be many instances of true bravery, but it was always and everywhere at the service of injustice and evil. And so, can you truly say, "Well, where's the unity of the virtues?" So many of them will say, eh, "It's not really." But I would say, brave. I, well, I I could be on the misunderstanding of what you're saying, but I I think if. Your intention was okay. So my intention at this period of time was just to kiss the girl. It wasn't to only make out with her. It was just to like right. kiss her and to show her that like I cared about her. Like I had feelings for her. I wanted to express that. And I thought we were having a like a like a um a moment. Instead, I did nothing. <laughs> just yeah. stared at her yeah. face yeah. like a, like a half inch away and went okay. <laughs> Um, oh gosh, I did that to my <laughs> wife Shannon. You did. I stared at her for like an hour, and then we finally started. <laughs> But, uh, like, <laughs> and then you because I remember when that when that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's good times. You were there. You were sitting on the chair, sitting <laughs> on the, the chair in the corner the whole time. No, I'm just <laughs> I think I, I <laughs> no, but like my point is, I think I do think that that is like a that is a brave thing to do because it's yeah. I don't yeah. Okay. I think I'm kissing that. is a good thing. I mean, it's it's like sweet innocent <laughs> high school. I'm kissing. It's it's the good kind. 
that we hope uh, we'll say middle school kissing. I don't know if there's any sweet innocent in high school. True. Uh, well, no, but I mean that like it's the uh, end. Gosh, we have so many asides that I get so freaking lost. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I do it on purpose. But okay, let, let me talk to you about a person that. Well, I'm trying to explain something. <laughs> While you're trying to explain. Okay, no, okay, sorry. I'll let it up. No, 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 no. It's I funny because it's like. No, no, no. I came up with this thing. I thought it would be a good connection to what you were saying. Let me just finish. I'm going to edit all this out. No, now it's I do funny. not want to even. My point is. This is why we can never have like a YouTube thing that Matt Fretta wants us to do because the amount of edits you have to do that he doesn't is insane. And it's both of our faults. It's both of our faults. (laughs) So, um, as in um, you and me, not Matt Fretta. Okay. So, I think for a high school boy, that's scary as hell. And I think it is a brave thing. I'm, I'm not saying it's on the same level as like a war hero or anything. Right, but right. when you are almost 16 and the girl that you've had like a crush on since you were 10 and you're kind of thinking like, oh, my gosh, we were having a moment. This is it. This is it. This is it. And instead you just go, OK, well, I got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, those are. I love those moments. Oh, though, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. It's they're so great. Right. Like I'm here. This is me <laughs> stepping out to love the girl, to make the move, to be the man. It's my curfew. I gotta go. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, I love it, Luke. I love, I love the fact that that was so much my life in in middle school and high school. Uh, I I hated myself so much and the way I looked. I just thought that no one Aww. should, no girl should ever entertain any type of positive feelings toward me. And when they did, it, I was like a, a kid in a candy shop. I didn't know what to do. Right, so it was. It you have this this oscillation between I can never get there. I got there. Oh my God, what do I do? Oh, I just ruined it um, because there was no there was no virtue in it for me. It was this self loathing, self contempt, yeah, 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 that then swung the other direction to overindulgence, um, ridiculousness. And um, there was never there was no sense of the cross in any of it. There was no sense of the cross in the suffering. In, instead of having redemptive suffering, I had self-contempt. Mm. Instead of having a holy relationship, right, I had absurd indulgence. And I never learned that the cross was at the center of these things and could moderate the evilness that I was taking on. Yeah, right? that's a really good point. There's nothing safe about being chased. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, mean I, I just think of all the Franciscan girls that, you know, instead of my gay best friend, they had my seminarian mm-hmm. best friend. Yeah, because there was a safety there that didn't push the person into dealing with their feelings. But then, of course, it always did because the girls would fall in love with the seminarian and either the seminarian would leave the seminary or the girl would just endure with a broken heart. I I mean, you know, my best friend, Chris Miller, right? His uh, his wife, his now wife, just fell in love with him. While the, he was a seminarian, and he kept trying and kept trying to be a, the best seminarian, and then finally he was like, "Nope, I love her." And he got in a car and drove through the night and told her he loved her. And three months later, they were engaged, and he kissed her and took a. He spent the weekend with her and her family. He took all these pictures of them kissing, and then he printed them out and put it all over his seminary door for the last three weeks of school while he was finishing up. It's just him because, and they would go by and be like, "We hate you, Chris. Robin." That's so funny. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so my, my my point is that like how often during a chat I think it'd be great in if we like had if we uh, had a chassis talk where we just said if you're in the if you're in the friend zone 
and you're hanging out with a girl and you feel like you have a moment, go for it. And if it doesn't work out, who gives a shit? You went for it, and that's fucking awesome. Like, how great would that yeah. be? Well, which is what happened with that, uh, you know, and I've told this story before, but there was a girl that I knew that I liked more than it wasn't a crush. It was a serious, you know, we were good friends, and I wanted to advance it to the next level, and I knew she didn't. And everyone told me not to tell her that. Don't tell her your feelings. You're going to ruin your friendship. The guy's got a great friendship, and don't ruin it. And I immediately ruined it by telling her how I really felt, and she shot me down like I knew she would. And when I left, I remember thinking to myself, I'm so happy I did that. It sucks, but I'm so happy I did yeah. that. So I think the summary is, Luke, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself. That's so back. true, though. It's crazy how true it is when it comes to, like, when it comes to dating, man. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, if you play it safe, you won't die yeah. a hero. No, you won't. You won't. But you'll become the villain. You'll become the guy who buys girls drinks, and when they don't come over and talk to you because they're so grateful, you call them a bitch and a whore, and you ignore yeah. them. You become the guy that that lashes out at women who are strong and confident on the internet because they're not good people. That's what happens. You have become the villain. So everyone listening, if you're the villain, you need to say, it's time to be a hero. It's time to get my shizzle-dizzle together. It's time to t- time to go and be brave like Luke. Be brave like sixteen year old Luke. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first shirt. Oh my that we gosh, are she was be. staring Nobody... at me, just being like, "Why don't boys? Um, why don't boys like me?" Just staring at me, and I was I, I remember being inches from her face, being like, "This is your chance. This is it. You have been literally awaiting uh, for this moment since fourth grade." And I was like, "I'm sure you'll find someone." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure being handsome and strong and will love you. <laughs> Don't worry, this is all going to come on very like awkwardly in an IM, our freshman year of college, after I have a long talk with my friends at a very Catholic college. And you, oh no, is this what's oh, her yeah. name? And, oh, that's, that and makes then, my heart um, so You'll just go. I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened by 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 um now. Yeah. And then like I would have gone. Good point. And then been totally fine with it af, af, after that. That really was. That's that's what like. <laughs> Honestly, that's what, like, got me over it was when I finally, like, broke down. I was like, listen, you know that I'm in love with you. Like, I just, like, I just, I need you to know this. Like, I've, I'm in love with you. And she goes, I know. Like, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> but if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. You know? And it just, it hasn't, it, like, it didn't happen. I was, and I, I, I totally remember being like, it, she, that gave me permission to move on. Because I think I, I think I <laughs> knew it. I, but I just couldn't live with it being silent, you know? Yeah. And so it, it finally just putting I, – I was like, I just need you to know. And, you know, I had I had to have my Jim Halpert on, like, you know, kind of moment. But I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. And yeah. it was fine. And I, I honestly, not at one point in time after that did I ever have feelings for her again. It was totally over it. Well, is that gotcha. true? Yeah, no. no. <laughs> but I think it was the beginning of it. Like, d- d- yeah. definitely by, like, the middle part of college. By I went to Austria. By 2003, I was good. I yeah. began having a crush on that girl, like, in, like, 92, yeah. 93. Yeah. And concluded, <laughs> and concluded it in, concluded 2003. in 2007. <laughs> no, by, by um, 2003. Girl, I have been crushing on you for a decade. No, because by... Yeah, that's pathetic, Luke. <laughs> no, but it's sweet. We're the cute story from the commercials. I was, we were in grade school. Uh, no, because oh, yeah. I, Speaking of which, what happened? What? 
a couple in love since they were seven years old. Was that your own nephew? No. That, my friend, was Vanessa Bryant and Kobe Bryant. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to end tonight's show because I'm really tired with so tonight, right before you came on, I, I put on Michael Jordan's speech at Kobe's memorial, Gigi and Kobe's memorial. And um, I got through about half of it, and Jordan is just bawling, but he's still soldiering on. It was amazing. And I ended – it was a great talk. I, I ended up stopping it, and I was like, I need to take a little break. And my wife had said that she watched and loved Vanessa's talk. So I put it on, and I sat there, and I watched it. And about you know a minute into it, my daughter came down the stairs – and she's like, I'm looking for my flashlight. I need to read in bed. I need my flashlight. My sweet little Cecilia. So I was like, okay, go get her. You should be in bed with 30 minutes ago. And then, um, so she goes to my office and she goes up the stairs and I push play. And she, the Vanessa speech is about 20 minutes long. And she spends 10 minutes on her daughter and 10 minutes on her husband. And it was super beautiful. It was everything you would think a mom would say, right? Like all of the beautiful things about raising a wonderful daughter. And, you know, everything from the kisses that she gives me to how dedicated she is and all the sweet things. And then she starts to talk about her husband. And it's all the things a wife would say about a husband. It's not a celebrity basketball player. He was a man. He was real. She was a, a, a girl. She was real. And it was so cool seeing how um, just utterly mom and wifeish it was. And she said, to me, he wasn't a celebrity. He wasn't even a basketball player, right? He was my husband. And I just absolutely loved that. And, uh, you know, I got, a, I got a little teary-eyed during it. It was pretty intense, you know, thinking about my yeah, girls, thinking yeah. about my boys. Same. You know, and, I, you know, and as, as you embark on this, you know, girl-dad phase of your life, right? Um, uh, at the end of it, I was like, oh, wow. And then I hear my daughters, both of them, they sat on the stairs and hiding from me and watched and listened to the whole thing. Aww. And they go, hey, daddy. And I was like, girls, what are you doing awake? And they were like, that woman says such pretty things about her daughter. It just, she's really good at giving you know, that talk, and it was really beautiful, and I just wanted to hear it. And I was like, okay, all right. I'll immediately tell Luke about this. <laughs> But it was just, I don't know, it was it was so hard because the whole time I'm just thinking about Kateri and Cecilia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. So if you all haven't seen that, I'll put it in the show notes, link to the YouTube video. Um, very beautiful. Um, <laughs> Vanessa looks like, like a Kardashian. I did not realize that. All of her kids, like the girl that, that died with her father in the helicopter crash, her name was Gianna. So it's a Natalia, Gianna, Bianca. And something or something else. Um, just, just so sweet, and I loved it. I really did. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, the strength that she had, that she showed to be able to do that. Twenty thousand people, people like probably a millions watching elsewhere, uh, is uh, heroic. And um, it was, I think it's very, very good that they that they did that. I think um, it is good to come together. Even like, you know, tens of millions to you know, even um, um, to mourn a person that you that you did not know, but someone that you knew about. I think it's very good to do that. So it was, it was good. My my daughter the other day said um, she read Charlotte's Web and she cried, 
And she goes, Daddy, I hate Charlotte's Web. And I was like, why do you why do you hate it? And she said, the last part was so sad. And I was like, does the spider die? And she's like, yeah, it was so sad. And she goes, why do I have, you know, like, I hate this. I hate that anyone has to die. Why do these people have to die? Why did Grandpa have to die? Why do all these people have to die? And I was like, honey, I just want you to understand something. I know you're not a big reader like your sister. And I said, but the most important thing about books is you can live a thousand lives through your one life. She goes, what? And it was the quote from, uh, what's his name? In um, Game of Thrones, uh, you know, why do you read? Because I can. Oh, oh yeah, read, there I you live, go. Uh, I can. I can live a thousand Tyrion, lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Tyrion, thank Look you. Look at that. And she said, "Really?" And she goes, "I go, yeah, that's what they say." <laughs> In the greatest <laughs> yeah. show ever made until season seven. But if I ever find out that you f- that you ever watch they, your ass is grass and I'm <laughs> yeah, the lawnmower. You're dead. <laughs> you're dead. But no, I said, uh, I said, you you get to live. And she said, "What?" She's like, "But it's just so sad. Why do they have to write sad books?" And I said. Because, Katiri, that book's about a spider and a pig, and you know it's not real. I said, but it felt real, didn't it? She goes, yeah. And I said, that's how we learn to grow and deal with our emotions. Yep. Like, you read sad stories, not because you like feeling sad, but because it teaches you. It puts you in other people's shoes and lets you see the world through their eyes so that when someone is sad because they actually lost a real person, you you already kind of know what they're growing through, going through because of Charlotte's Web. Like as silly as that might sound, this talking spider and pig actually taught you about life. And she looked at me and she, I, you know, I, I always wonder if I'm speaking way past them. I didn't quote Aristotle yet, but she looked at me and she goes, are you serious, dad? Like, like I can help people now because I've read this book. And I was like, it's the start, honey. Like, how good is... I said, movies do it, too. You ever watch a sad movie? And then she said, yeah, like when um, T'Challa got thrown over the waterfall and we all cried that he was dead. And I was like, just like T'Challa. Just like... What kind of forever? Oh, man. I uh, miss Black Panther. I, do you remember we were all were obsessed with Black Panther? That was fun. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Um, till that CGI fight scene at the end. Um, uh, but she just... It, it, it was powerful for her. And I said, that's why movies can be good. It's like you get to see the world through someone else's eyes for just a few minutes, and it gives you a little bit of empathy, a little bit of like compassion for other people. Or it teaches you to feel the feelings without it being serious. I said, wouldn't that be awful if the first time you ever dealt with death wasn't through Charlotte's Web, but was through someone that you know dying? And she's like, okay. And I said, and it helps put things in perspective. You can close the book. And you could take a deep breath and drink a glass of water and talk about it, and then you're done. Like, you don't have to feel those feels mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And she was like, okay. Great okay, job. Dude, good job. Ugh. Great, great dad moment. moment. Great dad moment. Great dad moment. Actually, you know something? Doing the Superman theme yeah. song. I don't get to do this often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I know that I'm going to have to go, but I just want to share a really quick story. Yeah. So we were driving to our uh, friend Aaron and Don's house, and... Uh, so uh Aaron well um Aaron my wife uh uh she goes, Why don't we play like songs for like Everly that we liked during high school? And so she played Aaron plays uh the Beastie Boys with Q tip and like other like good stuff that you know smart creative <laughs> people like. And uh she says, I don't feel anything. 
and I go, all right, Evelyn, it's time for motorcycle drive-by by the third eye blind. Aaron feels like a little bit of a kick. Aaron plays her song. Doesn't doesn't get anything. And I and I go, all right, all right, Evie, time for for me. This is heaven by Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> feels a little kick. And I'm like, that's right. She's gonna love emo and sad emotional pop pop songs. It's all about the hook. It's all about the sad emotional hook. <laughs> Oh, and you know what a song I listened to as I was driving through Arkansas? I five forty is that the name of the By song? The wedding? How did yeah. you find that? What do you mean? I've, I've had it say I listened to that since me and Shannon since I cried wailing in David Huss front lawn. Like Did, that is the song I that showed that, that moment. to you. I totally forgot that I shared that with you. Moving forward, where we've gone, we gone too far, but we left our heart way back in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a, that's such a good that album is great. I bought that album on iTunes. Immediately, and then I only listened to that one song. <laughs> that <laughs> the whole album is good. It is a good album, but that one song you could tell that there are some songs on an album that are outliers. That song, that song oh no no no! But honestly, I I I forgot that. Yeah, I I, I like because when you were, I'm bringing up, I'm like, is he talking about I five forty by the wedding? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Last thing, I know I already said no, last thing. Can I give you it's an us. update? Yeah, yeah. Carnival corner. Uh, yes, carnival yes, let's corner. Go, everyone, we're gonna have Feel a corner to about the carnival. My wife's uh, lava butt has returned. Not as <laughs> bad, Shannon. but she's still struggling. Yes, poor Shannon. Maybe she's she should go to a doctor with that. <laughs> yeah, you, you shut your whore mouth. She, uh, she's lost 14 pounds in two weeks. <laughs> Some say that might be too fast. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, when we were at the way, it's totally fine. And she's put on more uh, weight when she does her body pump classes. She's for the first time in like months. She's added additional weight and handles it without problem. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's not that she's losing muscle mass or bone density. She's losing body fat. So you have that, and then you have. Um, we were at the at the reception, and we. I told Shannon. Um, I was getting. We were packing on um, Wednesday night, and I went into the thing, and I was like, "Okay, I've lost some weight, but I have. I don't feel like I've lost a lot of weight, but I feel differently." So I said, "Let me just test this out," and I had two pair of dress pants that I love. That I haven't been able to wear for like two years. You know, you have mm-hmm. your your aspirational fat clothes. Like when I get, lose a little weight, I'm going to get back into this. Well, these are the like the things that I've held on to, and I didn't want to do it. So I tried it on, and they fit like they're supposed to. Like like dress Look pants you. are supposed to sitting on the waist, not below the waist, not my stomach shoving them ever southward. Sitting on the waist like they should. Awesome. Felt great. Put on the other pair of pants. Felt great. And I, I looked at Shannon, and I said, how do I look? And she's like, oh, my God, honey, you look so good. And I was like, thank you. I feel so wonderful. Look at you. And I was like, this is, this is incredible. This is incredible. So then we hop in the car, drive for seven and a half hours the first day, five hours the next day. I didn't get tired at all, right, at all. Like, I usually I'm, like, trying to fight falling asleep. I just had continuous energy. It was awesome. Obviously, I get bored and a little tired at the end. But um, it, was, it was so wonderful. We go to the wedding, have a blast. We go to the reception. It's uh, Caesar salad. Can't have that. Uh, then they sure serve uh, sherbet. Can't have that. And my mom is there who has struggled with weight her whole life, but she's also yelled at me for being fat my whole life. I got a lot of mommy wounds there. Um, but she's like, oh, my. And she's just staring at me as she's eating it. And she's like, this is literally the best I've ever had. Aren't, don't you want? And I was like, Michael, are you a red devil on my shoulder right now? 
Like even my wife, my wife was like, that was a little over the top, but she was like, you, ha- oh my gosh, you have to try this. You have to try this right now. This is literally, I go, you can have mine. And I just put it in front of her. I love you. And then the, the, the meal was served and it was pasta with meatballs. And I was like, could I eat the meatballs? And Shannon's like, no, they prepare it with gluten. And I was like, Ugh! and I'm like, I don't want to be a jackass. I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to make anyone feel bad. We're in this beautiful hotel called the Elms Hotel and Spa in uh, Excelsior Springs, Missouri. And I just leave the ballroom. And Shannon said she was, like, super hungry. So I leave the ballroom. I go next door. And it's a restaurant. And I said, hey, can I ask a favor of you? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, can I get two ribeyes, one medium, the other one medium rare, and a glass of water? And that's it. And he's like, yeah, I'll have it ready for you in 20 minutes. So then they start serving the food. And we're up talking. I mean, everyone's talking and hobnobbing. And then within the span of a bathroom break, I was like, me and Shannon will be right back. And we walked out, walked right next door, not outside the building. It's all inside the building, the lobby of the hotel. Go in there. The guy's like, yeah, it's ready for you. He sets it down on the bar. We sit down. We finish our glass of water. We slice through the steaks. We eat them. And Shannon's like, I feel so good. And we went right back in there and drank four glasses of wine. Other than that, <laughs> everything was That's fine. That's awesome. It was New Gormley baby Luke, coming 2020. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Okay, so on that note, Shannon has seen... Uh, this is way too much information, but cervical mucus for the first time since, like, when we got pregnant with, like... You should really make sure that she's okay with you saying that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But it's, like, the whole PCOS stuff that my wife has... That, like, it churns our hearts. Mm. Because we've been trying for two years now. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I mean, not... I mean, we've just been having a lot of sex, you know. Uh, (laughs) And my wife charts everything, and there's just the PCOS throwing everything off. And for those of you who are married and charting, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just certain days are a lot shorter than they should be or months longer than they should be. And nothing made sense. And it was really upsetting to my wife. Really, And it's not upsetting to me. Like, I love my wife. Whatever she wants, you know, I want. But um, doing this, like, it's not magic, but the cycles are normal. And everything has happened in the way it should. I mean, it, it's it's so incredible outside of lava butt. That's that's rough. Um how, how are but you handling then, that? Uh, the lava butt? I don't have it at all. <laughs> no, I mean, how would you, like, sorry. By you, I meant, yeah. like, the like the plural you, like you and your wife. Oh. Uh, well, it, it only happens to her, like, for, like, two hours after she eats, if she eats certain foods. So she's, like, removing eggs and dairy, and so she's just sticking with the meat kind of stuff. So we're, we're experimenting. and just trying. I told her, like, she needs to eat avocado and ease her way into the diet. Um, and so I think she's going to, she's also on a couple medicines that, um, that might make this worse. And so like, that's why I'm like, honey, like the, we need to, t- we're going to see your doctor tomorrow. Like, let's ask her about this in yeah. depth because their yeah. doctor knows a lot about the keto diet. But anywho, so, uh, I put, I was getting ready for work in the morning and I put my, uh, dress slacks on that I wore at the wedding reception or the rehearsal dinner and they were loose on me. Like not that they now fit perfectly. But now that they were loose on me, and I was like, I freaking love this diet. I don't care how weird it makes me feel. <laughs> I don't care that I had to sneak off and eat a ribeye. I will never stop doing this. This is incredible. Oh, good for you. I'm very happy for you. That's awesome. And pray for Lava Butt. I will. I will. That's my, that's my my affectionate nickname for her. Pray for old Lava Butt. Sweet little Lava Butt. butt. <laughs> Has the saddest smile. <laughs> Eruptious lava butt. She's gonna stay a while. <laughs> My lava little Gen X lava butt. <laughs> <laughs> My elderly lava butt. <laughs> My inner fifth decade of life lava butt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you know what's so funny is how much my old Exodus 90 group, some of the guys listen every week now, and how much they hated you when you were originally making fun of Exodus 90. and then How, how much, much they, they hated you. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, oh, Luke does not know what he's talking about. I guess he and does. now that you're doing Exodus 90, uh, no. Uh, now that you're doing Exodus <laughs> 90, I think I, I haven't talked to them since they restarted because, you know, I'm not doing it. But they, uh, <laughs> I think, I think they're gonna get a kick out of the fact that you're drinking booze tonight. Now listen, and it's gonna make my heart feel. I good. should have stopped. I agree. I feel kind of bad about it now. But I was just in like, you know what? I'll just start again tomorrow. And I really the want av- to drink this. The avalanche of sin. You, now you shouldn't start tomorrow. I mean, avalanche tomorrow's Fat Tuesday. Sin. No, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. No, no, no. Tomorrow's Fat Tuesday. That's when we got to do it. Right? <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm emceeing a door fest tomorrow, and it's a Cajun uh, Cajun party, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to eat. I don't know what I'm going to drink, but it's probably water for both. You could probably just have the sausage. That's what she said. Because <laughs> she was like, it's good for you. It's got a lot of healthy fats.